merde, d'abuser. <rire> bon, on va jamais, on va jamais, euh, on va finir à 4 heures du matin. Pas possible, c'est toi qui es trop nerveuse. Trop des excuses. of Soul Talks has been so great and I loved reading your messages, I loved reading your little comments and how you guys related to the imposter syndrome. Some of you didn't even know what it was but were experiencing it. It was just so cool to see that we're on the right track with what we're doing right here and guys, we're not holding back. Like Today's episode is going to be so personal and so special to me because of the guest that we have. His name is John Micaiah and he is a personal soccer coach located in Montreal. So he's gonna talk to us a little bit about his experience growing up playing competitive soccer in Europe and his evolution, moving to the States, playing in the professional league over there and then deciding to put an end to his career and moving to Canada and now operating his business. And fun fact, John is my partner and so we're getting up close and personal right here. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey John, how are you? I'm good and you? I am good too. I'm thrilled actually to have you on today's show as my first guest. Yes, thank you for having me tonight. You're welcome. I mean, I, I knew that I was going to have you on here um, eventually, but now it feels even more special to kick this off. And so let's start with a little game. Okay. This game is called Blitz. And let me explain the rules to you real quick. I'm going to set a timer for 20 seconds. And in those 20 seconds, I'll ask you the most questions that we can fit. So you have to answer very quickly so we can all get to know you a little bit. Perfect. Got it? Okay. So 20 seconds goes now. Full name. Jonathan Makaya. Place of birth. Montpellier, France. What were you doing in 1993? Uh, I was crawling. Crawling. Indian takeout or Congolese home-cooked? Oh, Congolese home-cooked for sure. Ronaldo or Messi? Wow, that's tough. Time's up. <laughs> Guess we'll never know. No, seriously. Ronaldo or Messi? Je sais pas. C'est pas? Wow. Ils sont bons les deux. Okay. So guys, as you notice, um, John and I might be switching between English and French a little bit in this podcast. We'll see how that goes. Let's keep it anglais. <laughs> so John, you work as a personal soccer coach. Yes. So walk us a little bit through that because especially the non-North American listeners might not be familiar with what that even is, a personal soccer coach. 
basically what I do is working with uh, soccer players on technical, physical and mental aspects of the games. It's for players that wants to work after like their regular practices with their clubs. Uh, it's just uh, a way to develop players on the side. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. How, how did you get into soccer? Like when did you start playing yourself? Okay, so I started playing soccer first when I was five in France and we have a family um, soccer family and uh, yeah oh, okay so has it always been a dream of yours then to, to become I guess a professional player yourself yes um, I think so when I was a kid but you know when you um, grow up it's different you know you realize that you have chances but you also have to do something different you know because uh, anything can happen and uh, you can be also successful if you want but you can control everything in life so mm -hmm. more I was like uh, getting older more I was thinking about like the different ways like path that I could take but mm -hmm. yeah it was uh, something in my mind so it was like an option but you were you were also pretty open to like several routes that you could go down just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that I was like uh, a good student, like to be honest, and I was talented in many things. So I wasn't worried to find something that, that, that I could do for a living. But like mm -hmm. being a professional soccer player was in my mind. I think it was uh, one of my... Uh, biggest option like what I wanted the most but I was also interested in um, business related to soccer have you ever um, watched the show rhythm and flow on Netflix no no have you heard of it no okay so it's basically like la voix like the voice but for rappers like rap okay. only And they're actually going to make a French version on Netflix. I, I saw that they'll have um, like Miska on the jury and stuff. But why it made me think of it is because one thing that I noticed about any contestant that goes on this show is they want to become a rapper by all means. And it's ride or die. Like it's there is nothing else. And they, they keep saying how rap is their life. Rap is the only route that they were ever going to go down. And I... I watched this and I was just so fascinated because in my case, I love singing. Along the years, there have been moments where people told me, oh, you should definitely like look at becoming a singer full time and do that for a living. But just like you, I always saw other paths as well. And I just never could get myself to be like, this is what I want to do 100%. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Do you think that in order to become a good player, soccer has to be your life like do you have to dedicate your all to it yes definitely if you don't have this um way of thinking you won't succeed so mm -hmm. yes success is about working hard first uh believing on um, yourself and uh, also sometimes a bit of luck you know mm. you can be injured you can have like you know a lot of things that we don't control but like Yeah, definitely you have to work 
give you best if you cheat um you won't reach your goal like mm. you you know life it's not easy and in everything you do you have to give you 100% if you want to make it speaking of giving it your 100% so to someone like me who never participated in any competitive sports can you walk us through a typical day like what would your day-to-day look like as a student or as a child while being a competitive soccer player well depending on your program you can do uh, soccer uh, at school during the day and soccer with your club uh, at night most competitive players that don't do uh, sport etude in france especially mm-hmm. you practice at least three four times a week and the weekend you play a game so what keeps you going when you don't feel like giving it your 100% or when you just don't feel like going I mean if you love soccer um, you always want to go you can have some uh, downs but most of the time for example me I was always happy to go train because it's not only a sport but it's it's also a family it's also a way Mm -hmm. to see um different things it's not just like a sports but it's like a lifestyle mm. and also i remember my mom was telling me that um usually athletes are very good at at school because they know that they don't have that much time the few time that they have they have to make an hour of study they are very organized based on the fact that they, they don't have time. So I didn't answer right your question, but basically uh, it's just a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It starts um, early, like at the age of five, six, but at the end of the day, your mind is like, you know, I wake up, I go to school, I train. For me, it was natural to, to train every day, to to play games and I'm also very competitive so I, I <laughs> need I need competition when there is no competition I'm not happy so it basically becomes part of your identity and that therefore it's a lifestyle so it's it's just who you are it's what you do you mentioned that your mom even said that athletes often are, are great at school because they just mag- learn to maximize the time that they have um, but also if you are good at any type of sports, it can help you in school, right? Like it can give you scholarships or it can open doors for you. You did do an Erasmus, like in Europe we call it Erasmus, but an exchange year in Spain when you were 19, right? Yes, exactly. What was that like? So basically I was um, at the University of uh, Madrid and I was also uh, playing for a team. Uh, in Madrid, it was a year of like uh, learning a new culture, a uh, new language. And you speak Spanish, right? I do. I do now. <laughs> you do now? How long did it take you to learn it? I learned Spanish in uh, three months, I think. What? Yeah. <laughs> How do you learn Spanish in three months? Uh, when I came to Spain, uh, I, I came with a, a goal. Because every time I do something, I do some, I do it with a goal. Because I don't like to do stuff for no, for no reason or for nothing mm. or no purpose. So when I came to Spain, I was like, for my first goal is to speak Spanish. So um, when I was like um, 
talking to a French person or like a stranger that was no the, the a non-Spanish person, mm-hmm. I was just like avoiding uh, the person. <laughs> I was telling them like, I don't have Facebook, I don't have WhatsApp, I don't have a number, <laughs> I don't have any email, I have ghost. nothing. Yeah, ghost, ghost, ghost. I was always um, talking to Spanish people, watching TV in Spanish, mm-hmm. watching um, the radio, only in Spanish, everything in Spanish. Plus, I had homeworks in Spanish. Uh, I had classes in Spanish. So, mm-hmm. my first three months was only Spanish, 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 Spanish. Even my family. I was talking to my family just once a week. <laughs> Even decreased like uh, the the amount of time that you were speaking to them. Yeah, like <laughs> I was like focused on my Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. And uh, yeah, after three months, I was able to speak uh, Spanish properly. Um, Obviously, I didn't know all the words from the dictionary, Mm -hmm. but I was um, able to speak Spanish fluently. Um, Do you still know some Spanish? Of course. I speak fluently still. Still? Okay. Well, I can't can't test that. I'm not fluent in, in Spanish. The only thing I can say is no hablo espanol. Hmm. But I try to say it like very fast, so at least it sounds fluent. But anyway, what's some advice you would give someone who leaves their home for the first time? Um, that's a good question. I would say that they need to believe in their self, uh, to be ready mentally, hmm. uh, to be open to learn and to discover new people, a new culture and to be brave yeah but that's tough (laughs) so let's say you're not an extroverted person how do you make new friends how do you make connections especially in a new country where you have to learn the new language the culture how do you do that i mean you have to adapt yourself um to the environment like for example if you are if you have a school Mm try to get to know people at school you know it's not easy if you show at school that you're smart you answer questions you're funny people will come to you it's always like that people are attracted uh, with something that is interesting so try to be special if you are if you have no school no friends i would say like Go on the street, interact with people, say hi to people. Um, I know it sounds crazy or a bit weird, but like, you know, if you go buy groceries, say hi to the people, like the the, the, the cashier, like mm. try to uh, make connections with people. I would say that. And uh, one day someone will just interact back and then this is going to be your time to develop a conversation you know like you have to be creative in life there is always a a solution but you have to find it uh, by using your creativity i like that i do like that funny enough the nicest people i've met in spain i've only been to spain twice is in the supermarket 
while buying groceries, I asked for agua con gas, and then the the shop. It, it, first of all, it was an ordeal finding sparkling water in Spain. <laughs> and I, I I always think about that. Um, the person working there, he he was so nice and just trying to help me find agua con gas. We like looked for it fifteen minutes, which was ridiculous, but. Germans need their sparkling water. <laughs> it's very important. Hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, but other than that, um, I've been to Barcelona once in summer, which was great. And then the other time I went to Mallorca in winter, and I thought that people were very racist or very closed-minded. But what's your experience been in Madrid? In Madrid, um, so it's, uh, it's tough to judge because everyone is different but a lot of people were close-minded mm. that was my experience um, but especially with soccer it was uh, not that easy really? um, yeah I experienced uh, racism and uh, yes stuff like that what I know is that uh, Spanish are very open um, to for parties, <laughs> to have fun, uh, everything rela related to party, they are like the best. Like uh, mm. it's uh, it's what they, they love to do, dance, uh, to dance, to, to party, and they, they become your friends. At school and in soccer, it's a bit different. Uh, they are more like um, close-minded from what uh, I've experienced. But uh, I've met also some uh, Spanish people that that were um, very nice, very friendly. So yeah, it's uh, it's not an, for me. It wasn't an easy culture, but you have to to live somewhere to understand mm -hmm. how people live and why people are like that, and to understand like what is going on. So. And I like to observe a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I kind of know the, the culture. Um, I feel like mm, people are not necessarily bad people, but you have to understand the culture. And, uh, yeah, maybe sometimes you can educate them. And uh, it's good to be different sometimes because they realize that, you know, they can change this, this and that. Mm -hmm. Some people. Yeah. yeah, some people. Not everyone. For sure. Now, I think it's interesting and also important to talk about that because for myself anyway, when I tell people, oh, I lived here and I lived there, it always sounds very glamorous and it always sounds great. But what's not often talked about is the reality of things that you have to adjust to cultures, learn the language, that sometimes you just end your work day or your school day and you're overwhelmed because your head is clouded from this new language that you've been speaking all day you can't feel lonely i remember when i stayed in new york i felt quite lonely at times so you're in this huge city surrounded by millions of people but everyone is very much to themselves um yeah so those were some of my experiences but you've lived and stayed in new york for three years after after having been to spain yeah sorry just uh yeah. i just wanted to say something about uh spain to finish mm -hmm. sorry um yeah when i came to spain i knew no one 
and at school I knew no one uh, at soccer I knew no one and like for the f my first three months I was just talking to random people at school uh, soccer uh, even though I'm not like very outgoing at all <laughs> not too much but yeah I, I see what you what you meant. You have to adapt yourself yeah, like, yeah. and you have to make a lot of um, effort. And, uh, you know, like if you are down or frustrated, your experience abroad won't be like uh, good. Challenges mm -hmm. has to make you, you know, like want to make it, Even you know? More. Yeah. So how was your experience in New York then? Oh, okay. So... When I was in um, Madrid, um, I sent my soccer video to a coach in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And uh, yeah, he was interested. He offered me first a 90% scholarship to study. And then I was like, no, I'm not gonna go to all over from Spain to New York to get a 90%. No, for me, I wanted to get this 100% because when I do something, I want to get the most I can get. <laughs> you didn't want to spend no money on it. <laughs> I mean, if I spend less, it's better for me. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I want to go to, to the United States. It's a bigger country than Spain. Mm. And maybe I'm going to have more challenges. So I was like, no, I need uh, 100%. And finally... After I was hesitant to come, the, the coach gave me a full scholarship, 100%. Wow. Uh, in New York City, he, has, he had never seen me before. Like, wow. just a video that I sent him from YouTube of me. And I was like, okay, 100%, school is paid. Uh, I'm going to play soccer for school in New York City. Like, uh, living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. Like, it was amazing. After my year from Spain, I think I, I came I came back for one week in France. So you basically left France and never looked back. Exactly. Wow. So I mean, we we're just like joking about how you we were living the dream, but in reality, what did it look like living in the Big Apple? In New York City, with no family, you can uh, be lonely. Uh, but. It's a, it's a fantastic experience. Um, you learn a lot. You discover all the cultures from all the world. Um, you get to know a lot of people, get a lot of contacts. Um, if you, your, um, your mind is strong, you can do anything in New York City. Because yes, maybe it was a, a big move for me and uh, to live uh, very far from my family. It was m m even further than Spain, like 10 times further than Spain. But uh, with a great mindset, you can uh, live the American dream also, and uh, you can do anything. Hmm. But once in New York, you eventually decided to put an end to your career after having worked towards this goal for most of your life so that's major 
what what got you to that point and did it take a lot of courage yes um at a certain point i decided to um, end my career i was playing for a professional uh, team uh, exactly in philadelphia mm. and uh yeah the organization wasn't the right fit for me and i had this feeling in me that i wanted to start um, building uh, my company and i followed my my feeling that i had mm. and i asked uh, the organization to end my contract wow. and we're going to talk about like your your company in a minute also but just going back to that so i know that you're no stranger to loss so you lost to very close and important people at a very young age how did you cope knowing that you still had to perform at a high level while you were still playing um i've learned from my family that um you know if anything happened in life you gotta keep your head up and keep fighting um losing someone is part of life we will everyone will uh, lose someone everyone in this world will lose someone so we have to be ready mentally this can happen mm. and you have two options you give up you cry and you give up crying is part of the process it's normal but you know there is a time for everything there is a time to cry and to suffer and it, it actually can you can you can suffer for all your life mm. but you have to do something you can't do nothing about this process of life this is just a process of life and yeah i i decided to come back on the field after not even 24 hours and uh, it's part of life there is nothing that you can do to change it it won't change to stay in your room and be alone and at the end of the day you have to move on you have to move on mm. and me playing soccer was uh, helping me to not think about uh, my loss mm. I think uh, it's very important to move to be active and not stay alone not stay alone huh? yeah yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. Obviously, everybody mourns differently. I've also had a few losses. However, the most recent one, um, last year, it just took me out. Like, I, as much as I consider myself a doer, there's feeling of numbness and what is even going on. You know, these type of losses that you just, you don't see coming. And there's also this part, I think, is just a shock phase where you just like mm. not don't even realize what's going on and yeah. something else I wanted to talk about I think it's interesting because you and I both grew up in the church but it wasn't until we both moved abroad that we really got I want to say anchored in our faith why do you think is that or why do you think has it been that for you and what did your walk of faith look like I was a Christian since I was a child 
um, when I was living in France. I went to church with my mother and my siblings. In Spain too, in New York City, uh, I had a church too, and uh, in Canada too. My work of um, faith, more I, 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 I got older, more I was like um, closer to God. Um, in my journey, uh, my one year in Spain, three years in the United States, four years in Canada. I think God helped me a lot, uh, was always there for me. He's there, like, I see him um, working. There is, it, there is no way it's someone else than God. Like, it's, it has to be God. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen, like, a lot of miracles in my life, like, crazy things happened. Um, but God was always there for me, uh, to save me, to help me, um, to back me. And when I see my path, I didn't know Spanish. Boom. I went to the university. I graduated. I went to uh, New York city, graduated in New York city, played professionally, got, um, a scholarship to come to Montreal to play for the university of uh, Montreal everything was planned out like it's like a i wouldn't say a movie but like god's movie <laughs> you know it's god's movie love that god's movie yeah so everything to now with my company even with um with uh difficulties but i learned so much i learned so much like uh in my path and i've seen the the work of god and now i'm very confident that is with me and it will he will be with me when i have a difficulty i'm thinking about like when yes. it's gonna be yeah like when it's gonna be over already and mm. and i know that it's gonna be over and i know that i'm gonna make it or i'm gonna overcome this but i don't know when exactly but i know that i will succeed amen that that was a word um it's been Similar for me, also grew up in the church, um, then when I moved from, from Siegen to Cologne, um, which isn't like, it's not much of a distance, but it's just a step from rural to city. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like uprooted almost, but eventually I was looking for something that felt like home. I went back to church because that's what I knew and that's where it felt like home. And so when I came to Montreal, was the first thing I did because you were we were talking earlier about making friends putting yourself out there and I always found it so much easier to make connections in the church and find a community people to back you up in the church and yeah so that that has definitely been my walk of faith it's a whole different relationship when it's just you and God out there in the world mm -hmm. so that's a whole podcast theme in itself maybe for another day but Montreal is where we met, you and I, and I remember that when we met, you were still working as a manager for Nespresso, but that was also around the time when you had already started your business that you now work for full time. Walk us a little bit through that journey of becoming self-employed. So yes, when we met, I was working as a manager for Nespresso. I used this experience to learn 
how to manage people. For me, you need to know how to deal with people because we are in a world, not alone, but with people. Mm. So if you can communicate, if you can deal with people, if you can um, know how to act with this, 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 this person, you will have problems in life. We are surrounded by people. So mm. um, I've learned, learned a lot um, how to find a balance, obviously as a manager, not too nice, not too, <laughs> not too mean, you know. So yeah, it, and this experience, when I was working for Nespresso, I was also um, coaching on the mm. side. Mm-hmm. But uh, after a time, uh, I just decided to do it full time and uh, do what I love the most. And I started uh, working for GM Coaching in uh, January, January 2020. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been ab- amazing since uh, the, the, start, the start of it. But you didn't just start and do it full time. Like there was a day when you decided to, you quit your day job and you're going to put 100% of your focus in what you were doing and at the time it wasn't what it is now but you took a huge leap of faith at what 25 uh 26 26 huh yeah yeah no, 25 okay so what was that process like Yeah, so what I would advise you to do when you want to start a company is to be uh, working part-time first for a time to see if uh, the projects go well, Mm -hmm. if you could uh, have potentially clients to work full-time. So for example, me, I was uh, working part-time after my full-time job for GM Coaching um, and I realized that I had so many clients in my schedule between my full-time job and my uh, job part-time as a personal soccer coach that I was like, okay, I'm going to leave because I so love you can soccer. make time for me. <laughs> so I love soccer. <laughs> Awkward laugh. I love soccer and this is uh, what I want to do uh, for my life. It's my life. So it's so healthy to be happy to go to work, to love what you do. Uh, It can avoid like stress and a lot of things. And it's it's so important like uh, to love what you do. And even in uh, some soccer sessions with like little kids, they already know that. Like the the little kids that I train, they're like, in life, if you don't love what you do, you have to stop. Wow. And this is very important. That's why I decided to to work full time for GM coaching because I don't want to, you know, be at the end of my life and be like, oh, Mm -hmm. no, I regret this. I regret that. No, I want to do what I love. And um, and uh, yeah, I won't regret it because at least I've tried. And for now, it's working very well and I have a lot of clients and things go well and uh, I thank God for that. Don't think too much. Do what you love. And if you can monetize it, do it. Like 100%. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. 
So here you are in your first year being self-employed and boom. It's a pandemic. So how has 2020 impacted your business? Um, I won't say that it has impacted my business too much. I have been creative and I've tried ways and it was uh, successful. I coached some uh, of my players on Zoom. I had little groups because we were not allowed to um, coach big groups. Mm. So basically, uh, the only thing that was not the best was that I couldn't coach a lot of people at the same time mm. because of the pandemic. But other than that, uh, I'm, I'm doing uh, online coaching through Zooms. I work with little groups, one or two players. Um, we can't have everything always. Mm. So now it's the time where I can't coach 20 people. It's fine because there, there are people that are in worse situations than me. They are lost their jobs. They don't have jobs maybe. So I feel like I have to be thankful. Realize that it's, a blessing. Yeah, it's a blessing. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And before you were talking about that, you always have to be creative. So basically, you can't stagnate. Whatever the situation is or whatever life throws your way, you just have to find ways to make it happen. Exactly. If, if you don't fight, you will fail. Like... <laughs> I'm straight, but like yeah, yeah, it's true. Real talk. You have to, you have to, you have to fight in everything you do. School, school, uh, soccer, uh, sports, uh, business, uh, relationship. Uh, if you don't fight, you won't be successful. So, what's your biggest success? Looking at your first year of being self-employed. I would say that um, I have done like uh, created like. Uh, a program it's like a, a stage it's like a soccer program with in partnership with a club so yeah i've worked with a soccer club with around 50 players that came to my soccer camp mm. and uh, yeah it was um, during um, the summer in july and august and yeah I think it's my uh, biggest ach yeah. achievement for 2020. That is huge. You did it like you worked seven days a week pretty much. Yeah, well. I, I did work seven days a week. Um, I know it's uh, it doesn't sound like too healthy, but um, <laughs> it's um, it's a time. Sometimes you have to, you know, hustle. Yeah, you have to hustle. And when you have a blessing, you have a blessing. So we, we don't know. It's like you said, it's a pandemic. Maybe in five months, I will work uh, three or four times a week. We, mm -hmm. we don't know. So sometimes when you have blessings, uh, you have to take uh, advantage, ad of them. Yeah, advantage of them. So I took advantage of them and yeah, with uh, no, no problem. So what's the future of JM? What, what's there to be excited for for 2021? So if you want to know my future, uh, first, you have to follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Shameless plug. So 
arrobas arrobas that's at oh do you call that at at jm coaching life gotcha. okay this is the first step uh <laughs> second step is to watch my stories oh come on <laughs> <laughs> and yeah no so um the future is uh but first if i don't if i say everything that is going to happen uh you won't watch my stories <laughs> okay but, so guys he's really uh, trying hard here to, <laughs> no to the future is media. um so basically i'm gonna work on to expand everything everything i can i want i want to work uh, with brands um so i'm working on a lot of projects mm -hmm. and um yeah serving at church developing uh collaborations uh with clubs uh in canada in france in basically in in europe not in germany what basically double what i've done in 2020 because i'm competitive and i want to try je veux percer et je veux aussi um build new activities mm. Yes. John, um, thank you. No we problem. have reached the end of this podcast. This was it was very insightful for me. I mean, I obviously know you, but to to hear it again, you know, your your dreams, your your mission, your vision, and everything that keeps you going on a day to day. So thank you for sharing that. And problem. Yeah. So the floor is yours. You have the last word. One day, you will say, it was difficult, but I made it. Great. Okay, and guys, here's a question that John has for you. You can answer that in the comments of an Instagram post that I will make on Ume Podcast. So, John, what's your question to the people? Okay. So, my question is, How do you guys stay focused on your goals? That was it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed our little chat. And if you did, give us some feedback. Write us a message and let us know how you related to the topic, how John's story inspired or encouraged you if it did and also stay tuned for next episode because we are going to hear from a phenomenal woman um, with a very very interesting life and i can't wait to introduce her to you guys so see you then